Well, the baby dedications are always a special time for us as a church family. And we do have another one planned if, uh, if your family is interested in this. Uh, first Sunday in November is the next one that we have planned. And I know we've had a few babies born uh, recently, and so we look forward to, to having that again. Well, we have had a, uh, a beautiful weekend. And uh, I don't know about you, I spent uh, quite a bit of the day yesterday doing yard work and getting caught up. It seems that all of these uh, middle-of-the-week uh, thunderstorms have, have managed to really help my yard to grow. I just wish that my front lawn had more grass and less weeds because I worked all day yesterday, and as I was pulling out, I noticed that the weeds, they jumped up at le- inches last night. It's just amazing how all that works. Um, my front yard really is a mess. It's kind of embarrassing if you were ever to come out and, and see it. In fact, it's one of those yards that if, if you feel like yours is bad, you should come see mine. And you'll feel a lot better about the way yours looks. Uh, I've got, I've got uh, a lot of weeds, a little bit of grass, and then since the spring I've been fighting moles. And I don't know if you ever dealt with that, but that, that, my front yard's just so soft, all these trails, and we've been fighting them since the springtime, and then this week one of them decided he'd pop his little head up out and just kind of taunt us, like, you know, I'm still here, I'm still working, <laughs> we've been working, but so is he. Um, but I will say, after the first service, after mentioning that, I was given several solutions on how I might be able to deal with that. So maybe I'll have an update for you soon, based upon what I, uh, what I heard this morning. Um, Anyway, my grass is just looking terrible, but uh, I, every time I, I mow, I, I find that there are rocks and stones that have made it up to the surface. I don't know if your yard does that, but I, I feel like I'm growing rocks out there, and it makes me nervous because I don't want to launch one, so I'm always picking them up, and the next time I mow, there they are again. There's more rocks, and so it's, uh, it's, it's really an amazing thing. And then yesterday I was just weed-eating and managed to catch one and launch it right through one of our front windows. Yeah, I'm... Leave it to me to take a double pane glass window and turn it into a single pane, right? Because it it totally shattered the the front of it. But uh, why do I tell you this? Because I think that the circumstances of my yard are related to my soil, the soil that's in our yard. Jesus told a parable, and he told one about four different types of soils. And he used it as a picture to show how different soils or different hearts would be receptive to his word. And so I invite your attention uh, this morning to Matthew chapter 13. We have been looking at a different parable each, sun, uh, each Sunday morning during the summer months. And uh, we'll be looking at one known as the parable of the sower, sometimes referred to as the parable of the soils. And uh, just as a reminder, the Lord gave parables as a way to communicate a heavenly truth. By using an earthly story, something that the people in that time frame and that even uh, today that we can relate to. And it's, it's put right alongside. That's the meaning of a parable, something thrown alongside the, the truth in a, in a way to, 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 to give it clarity, to give it further understanding. And so these parables are given to, to help us see spiritual truths that he wanted to communicate then and even today. We've also noted that parables function in three ways. They are like a picture because they give us a real life uh, uh, story, something that we can that we can envision happening right out of real life. But they're also like a mirror because in the parable we look at it and we can see ourselves. And I think that is certainly the case with the one today. As we look at the, the four soils representing the four hearts, hopefully we'll be able to see ourselves there today. It's also a window in which we can see God. And so anytime we look at a parable, we can look uh, for these things. Keep those uh, thoughts in mind as we read from Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. 
That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables. So you get the idea that a lot of people came alongside. They wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. They wanted to hear him teach. But the crowd was, was so large that he had to, he had to form somewhat of a, of a, of a little amphitheater there by getting in the boat, going out a little ways in the water, letting them cover the coastline. And from there he began to teach. And it says that he spoke parables. Here's the first one that we have beginning in the middle part of verse three. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. And then there's a section following that where he just states why he shares parables and how uh, how they are, are, are useful and helpful and even a fulfillment of, uh, of prophecy. But then we pick up in verse 18 and we see that this is one of those parables where he gives further explanation. So let's read that as well. Verse 18 and following. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and cares and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Verse 23. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. So we see that this is a parable of the kingdom. If you recall the five categories of, of parables, this would fall under the category of the kingdom. The kingdom, of course, being God's kingdom. He is a king. He has a spiritual kingdom. He has had, he has provided a way for us to know him and enter his kingdom through his son, Jesus Christ. It's a kingdom in which we have received blessing upon blessing, in which he has given us joy. He has given us clarity and wisdom for, for this life. But he's, he's also given, given us promise and hope for the life that is yet to come. He has invited those who would like to be with him to, to, uh, to receive through his grace, through his mercy, his son Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And in putting faith in him, uh, coming and entering his kingdom. So as we see this parable of the kingdom, we see that there are specifically three components that are mentioned. The seed the sower and the soil. 
And uh, the, uh, the, this parable is also given in Luke chapter 8. And uh, in verse 11, it specifically says the seed is the word of God. And so as we envision the sower putting out the seed, it's a, uh, it's a picture of the word of God being distributed. And in fact, First Peter chapter 1 also uses the picture of the word of God being like a seed. It says, since you have been born again, verse 23, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Just as the, the power of the plant begins with the seed, so does the power, and, and that's where life begins, so does spiritual life. Spiritual life begins when the when the word of God is implanted, when it's received and it begins to bring about life and growth. Now, of course, the seed needs a sower. And uh, in this parable, uh, the sower is uh, is the Savior, Jesus Christ. That's exactly what he was doing on earth was sowing seed. He was sharing the word of God. And yet in a very real way, he has called upon others who have followed him to become sowers as well. And so as we read the parable, we think of, of him distributing the word, but also how he equipped his disciples and equipped the early church that they also would be the, the, uh, uh, sowers of, of, of the seed throughout, uh, throughout the world. And so that's gone down from generation to generation so that even us as believers and as Christians today could say that, that we also are sowers of the seed. And as we think about that, we certainly had someone that sowed seed in us. If you think about that, who who was it that sowed seed in your life? Did you have a, a mom or dad who, like Bill and Jamie, have have professed today that they that they want to to uh, to, to to consider the the spiritual provision of their children? Did you have a parent that was able to sow seed into your life? Or maybe you had a friend, maybe someone from school or a co-worker or a neighbor, someone that, that faithfully distributed the word to you. A little here, a little there. Whoever that might have been, you can thank the Lord that, that they were faithful. So we have the seed, the sower, but also we have the soil, which is, uh, is really the soul or, or the metaphor of the heart that's used in verse 19. When Jesus uh, talked about the, the word that was sown in the heart. So there's this idea that, that there needs to be a, a receptivity of the seed and that the soil has varying conditions. Some soil uh, will receive the seed and some will not. And so it's a picture of the human heart. In fact, he gives four kinds that are all represented in this parable and I would say are all represented in the world today, in our own community, in our nation that we see that, that there are times that people are very ready to receive God's truth, very ready to receive His Word, but in other times we will see things like what we see in the parable. Could it be also that these four hearts might be represented in the pews of America or in the pews of our church, that at times there is a, a, a hardness, a, 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 uh, a resistance to the Word as opposed to receiving it? We're going to look to the Word of God right now, and I pray that God will give us a heart to receive what He has for us today. It's a prayer for us personally that we would receive and intake what God has for us from His Word. We begin by looking at the stubborn hearts. They're the ones that reject the Word. Verse 4 speaks of them and says, He sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. 
This idea of the path would have been like a, uh, a path in between fields. So in the agricultural uh, uh, world of that time, people would have gone from one side of the field to the other or one farm to another. They would have, they would have used a path. They wouldn't want to walk just anywhere in the field and uh, trample it. They would want to go over the same path to limit the amount of, of ground that would be used for walking instead of, harv- uh, instead of planting crops. And so this hard path walked over year after year would become very, very hard. And he's saying that when the seed hits that path, it does not go down into the soil at all. It just lays on the top. And what happens? The seed really becomes bird food, right? The birds come in, they grab it, and off it goes. In fact, uh, he uses this as a way to speak of of a hard heart where the seed goes out, but it doesn't doesn't come in, doesn't doesn't enter at all, and it gets taken away. Look at verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. You could view this as the unresponsive heart. I can remember many years ago, probably 10 or 15 years ago, I was I was preaching a sermon uh, and uh, when we lived in Lee Summit, and uh, the theme of the of the message was spiritual apathy or uh, spiritual slumber was a phrase I kept going back to. Sometimes it's just like we're asleep, that we're just not alert, we're not awake, we're not aware of what, what the Lord is wanting to do in us and through us. So I kept, I kept using this phrase, spiritual slumber, and over to my right I turned, and there was this young man, and I kid you not, his head was back, his eyes were closed, his mouth was wide open, and, and I thought, ah, oh, he's, he's teasing me because I'm talking about spiritual slumber. He's pulling a, pulling a joke on me. No, <laughs> he continued to sleep through the rest of the sermon. And so that day, in fact, uh, he was he was a little unresponsive. But that's how it can be. We can we can distribute the seed, but it's the soil, the receptivity that is that is really out of our control. The issue isn't the seed. It's not even the issue with the sower, but it's the soil. Now, there is, a, I think, a warning here for us to not let our hearts become hard. In Hebrews chapter four. Verse 7 says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. It's like every time we're exposed to the truth, it can either soften our hearts or it can harden our hearts. It's kind of like the sun. The same sun can bake down on the earth and it can both melt butter and it can harden clay. It depends on what the substance is. And so we ask God to give us hearts that are, that are pliable, hearts that are ready to receive. Not, not, not a hardness, not a coldness that would, that would be unreceptive. Well, that's the stubborn heart. Let's look secondly at the shallow heart. They're the ones that remove the word. Verse 5, again, other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. So this was the ground that they would have had maybe a, a layer of limestone right under the soil or maybe it just had a lot of rocks, kind of like my front yard, right? Just right there along. And so the, the seeds could go in, but they couldn't go down. And so they, they, they were, they were, there was enough warmth there by the rocks to cause the seed to germinate and have, have, have something, but it didn't last because there wasn't a root system. And when there isn't a root system, there isn't life. There isn't the, the, uh, the ability to grow. There isn't the, 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 the opportunity to get nourishment or moisture. So who is Jesus describing here? 
verses 20 and 21. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Jesus is describing a person who comes with a superficial commitment, a shallow commitment. Maybe it's something that's based on an impulse or emotion, but it's not one that is demonstrating true faith. Now, I know that some would say, well, maybe this is speaking of one who is is backslidden or wayward. And we know that there are occasions where someone that's genuinely following the Lord has a season where they slide, where they where they where they're where they're not living for him. But that's not that's not what this parable is teaching. There are other passages you can look to to speak of of something like the, uh, a wayward person. This one here is speaking about authentic salvation from the beginning. And so this one, this particular soil is one that is producing a shallow acceptance. And I would say that sometimes it is because of someone being impulsive and just just making a, a, a commitment out of out of out of uh, out of emotion But sometimes it is the case because of shallow evangelism. And that's a word to us as believers. It's a word to us as a church. There are so many out there today and you can find them on the airwaves and you can find them in places where where the the full gospel isn't being communicated clearly. There's not the idea of, 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 of turning away and repenting of sin, dying to self turning from the old life and turning to Christ for for regeneration. Now, the the benefits or the blessings of walking with God could be highlighted, but, but if the full picture isn't given, it could lead to someone giving a shallow acceptance. Yes, we know that there is joy. We know that there is blessing in following God. But we also know at times there is a cross to bear. And sometimes it's because of the fact that we have made a commitment to Him. And we hold to his word. That's what this parable is teaching. Verse 21 says that the plants have no root. The source of life in the plants is the root. And if the plant doesn't have a root, it does not have life. First John chapter two, verse 19 is a a verse that, that comes to mind of those that might make that superficial commitment. It says they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. So that's the shallow heart. We've seen the stubborn heart. Third, let's look at the strangled heart. This is the one that has the word restricted. Verse seven, other seeds fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. So if you just think about it, the the first soil, the seed could not get in. The second soil, the seed got in, but it wasn't able to grow deep. Well, this is the one where the seed goes in, but it's not able to grow up. It's getting choked out by something else. And it's said here that it's the thorns or the weeds that are choking out the life. If you jump down to verse 22, which we read earlier, it speaks about these thorns. It says, now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. So there are two thorns, two types of thorns identified. The cares of this world. That's one little phrase that I underlined. And the other one is the deceitfulness of riches. 
And so it's, it's in essence the temporal life around us becoming the priority over the spiritual. Again, with this being a parable of the kingdom, it's a call to, to live in, 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 in his spiritual kingdom, to think and to, to put our, to put our hope in the things of eternity. And yet sometimes the problems of life can be like those thorns that just choke it out. And so that's where he, he mentions the cares of this world. He also speaks of the deceitfulness of riches. And this would be those who, who hang on to, to the things of this world as being top priority. Doesn't mean that those things are in and of themselves bad, but if they become a substitute for the living Lord, and that's what one lives for and places the most priority upon, they become a substitute. And so it's a real picture of, of someone who wants to hang on both to the Word and to the world and, and trying to hold on to both at the same time. And that's what chokes out what life would have been produced. First John chapter two, again, is a, is a chapter that speaks uh, to this verses 15 and 16 it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the father, but is from the world. And so there's a call here for discernment. To be able to see how to still live in this world, but to live for the Lord. To have a, to have a, 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 a trajectory that is still mindful of the kingdom. To live as a, as a kingdom citizen and yet still live in this world. And to be able to do so uh, uh, without being sucked into the thinking and to the ways and the priorities of the world around us. Again, described like, like thorns or weeds that choke out that life. It's really describing a heart that is unprepared and not allowing the seeds to bear fruit. Well, finally, we get down to verse eight. And here's where we get some good news. The surrendered hearts. These are the ones that reproduce the word. Christ is speaking about a soil that is fertile, something that is that is fruitful. As you as you look at verse eight, it says other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. In verse 23, it says, but he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. So here's the, the picture of the one who receives the seed, receives the word of God. It gets into the soil. The soil is good. It's soft. It's 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 fertile. The seed can take root, it grows its, its, its roots, and then it, it, it brings life through, the, through the, the, the fruit that's produced or the other seeds that are produced through it, it even reproduces. Not, not all the same, some 30, some 60, some 100, but there is something that's happening that is showing that regeneration, that life has happened. Now, if you look carefully, you'll see that Jesus speaks about the soil. He said that this is a person who hears the word. So speaking of, of being receptive to it, not just in one ear and out the other, but, but truly listening, truly giving contemplation, consideration of the word. Secondly, it's one who is responsive because he uses the word understands, that they comprehend the word that is given to them. And comprehending in the, in the, uh, in the way of wanting to put into practice. 
You may remember we, we've, we've talked many times about the Hebrew word uh, hear, which, which is sometimes translated obey. To, to hear is to obey. To hear is to, is to accept and to receive and to put into action. And that leads us to the, the reproductive nature of the seed as well. Everything else would just be talk, but the, but the fruit is the, is the demonstration of the life. Now, some say, well, what would that fruit look like if we move from the from the metaphor into into spiritual reality? What would that look like? Well, the book of Hebrews speaks of the fruit of one's lips as they praise the Lord. So as we sang songs, as we as we prayed today, that was part of the fruit that comes out of our spiritual lives. In fact, even the Apostle Paul would use the word fruit. He would, he would, he would speak of the first fruits that happened in a region of Greece called Achaia. Speaking and thinking about the church in, in Thessalonica and, and the region of Macedonia and, and how that church was birthed and, and how, it, how it spread the seeds of the gospel throughout a region. And, and he referred to, to those who, who received the word in Achaia as first fruits. So those whom you've been able to influence for the gospel, those whom you've been able, whom you have impacted with the gospel, they could also be considered your fruit. But I'm also reminded what Paul writes in Galatians. He speaks of another fruit. What, what's that one? The fruit of the spirit, right? And what is the fruit of the spirit? It's it's the the idea that the Holy Spirit lives within us and is producing something that that is worked out in our lives, namely love, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. These are all things that, that demonstrate the Holy Spirit is at work. And so as we think about this fruit that, uh, that is being produced, we see that it takes different forms. Back in Ezekiel chapter 36, the Lord was speaking to the nation of Israel and if you follow back to the Old Testament, you see the, the uh, cyclical nature of, of this nation and their response to God, that, that there's, there's times in which they're close to Him, in which they, they respond to Him, and then they cycle around where they're, they're not obedient, and so He sends a prophet, He sends someone to give them a word, and then they, they, they return, and there's, it just seems like it's over and over again you see this. Well, the God of the Old Testament still works today, and if, if He would work in the lives, of the, in, in the lives then... To, to bring about a soil that would receive His Word. I believe that He can do it today. Oftentimes when we, when we sow the seed, we might wonder, is it, is it a problem with the seed? Or is it a problem with, with me as I, as I sow it? But oftentimes what it is, is the soil. The soil not being ready. And so, so what do we do? We need to pray. We need to pray that God would prepare the soil of those around us. Maybe you've had family members or friends that, that you've been concerned about and that you've been, you've been uh, sowing seed to. Well, also pray that God would prepare their hearts to receive His Word. The nation of Israel had seasons where they had very hard hearts. And here's what, what He communicated to them through Ezekiel. He said in verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. How much we need that today in our nation, even in the American church, to be cleansed and to be, to be set free from the idols that surround us. But look at verse 26. He says, and I will give you a new heart 
and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So God wasn't done yet. And he was speaking even in a, in a messianic context of a day in which his spirit would indwell. And you can look through the book of Acts, the early chapters, and see what happened to the people when the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And how, how they were bold, how they were courageous, how, how they had a new life that was living within them. And we today get to be recipients of his Holy Spirit. So when we think about the fruit that He wants to produce in our lives, He wants to do that through His Spirit. But what does it require? It requires a heart that is receptive. It requires Him breaking up that heart of stone and giving a heart of flesh. Have you ever seen Him do that? Have you ever seen God work in someone's life who was so hard-hearted that the Word just never got in? And then He began to break it up. And break it down. And that soil became fertile and received the seed. It's happened. You may have witnessed it. Maybe it happened to you. Maybe you had seasons of being very unreceptive and cold to the things of the Lord. And then you began to take in His Word. Again, what's the issue? It's not the, it's not the seed. It's not the sower. It's the soil. I'm reminded of a middle-aged man named Stacy that I knew about 20 years ago. When I was in seminary, I served at First Baptist Church of Plattsburgh, Missouri, which is half hour north of Kansas City, a little town of about 2,000. And uh, uh, Stacy uh, uh, was a middle-aged man, still lived uh, at home with his parents. He was, uh, he was intellectually disabled. He had some challenges where he still needed help from, from, his, uh, from his parents. But boy, was, was he a faithful uh, follower of the Lord. I mean, Sunday after Sunday, he was faithful. And uh, their family lived close enough to the church where he could walk uh, down to the church. Anytime there was a, a worship service when he was on his way, he would just, just walk there. And he, uh, he came a, a, across a guy that was out working in his yard who he knew a little bit. Uh, this guy's name was Kent. And Kent had a shovel in his hand. He was working hard in, in, his, in his yard. And, and Stacy looked over at him and said, uh, Kent, you going to church today? And uh, he looked at Stacy. No, Stacy, <laughs> I'm not going to church. As he stood there with the, you know, with the shovel in his hand, and uh, Stacy looked back at him and said, "Well, you ought to." And he just kept on walking. That was him sowing seed that day. And uh, you know what Kent did? He stood there with the shovel in his hand. He thought about that for a minute. And it was as, it was as if the Lord was just really striking him at the core. And he said, "You know what? He's right. I ought to go to church." And so uh, next week, he and his, his wife, they went to church where Stacy went, First Baptist Church there in Plattsburgh. And they began to hear the word of God preached. And it wasn't long after that that they both understood that they needed Jesus as their Savior. And by the time we arrived in January of uh, 95, the first Sunday that Karen and I were there, we saw two people being baptized. And it was, one of them was Kent, Kent and his wife. And they were being baptized, and, and I got to see them grow in the Lord. Got to see them uh, share with their children. And, and in fact, uh, he was growing and, and serving. That The church, a few years later, ordained him as a deacon. 
And I asked him if he would because of, of just how God had saved him and, and brought him through so many different challenges and addictions and such. If, if he would come and speak to the youth group and, and he would he would teach Sunday school at times. And then uh, uh, after I left years later, I heard that that he was the youth pastor. And I thought, you know what? I saw a pretty neat story from his baptism forward. But it began before that with a man named Stacy who faithfully on his way to church just scattered a little seed. And what happened? It fell on some soil that God had prepared and it was ready. Why do I tell you that? Because at times you may be discouraged. You may think, you know, why sow the seed? It's just too hard. Too many hard hearts out there. They won't take it anyway. But you just might not know who it is. Maybe even stand on there with, with, with a shovel in their hand ready to receive. Don't, don't take that Barney Fife approach. You remember Barney Fife had the, had the one bullet there in his pocket just ready, getting ready for time to use it? Don't just have that one seed just waiting for the right time. Just just scatter it. Just scatter the seed and let the Lord of the harvest determine where it falls and how it's received in the soil that it goes on. Leave it to the Lord. But be faithful. Because sowing seed is one thing, one thing that we can do here that we will not be able to do when we're in heaven. Just throw the seed and ask God to prepare the soil. Would you bow with me, please, as we pray? As we go to the Lord, I want us to pray. To pray for those around us that, that need the word. That we would pray for, for soil that would be fertile. But before we pray for others, I want us to pray for ourselves. I want you to pray for your own heart. Because maybe for you today, this is a day where God is breaking up some things in your heart to, to make you more responsive and receptive to his word. The psalmist prayed in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Would you pray those words? He said, try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these parables that, that clearly communicate truth to us. And we ask, Father, that we would be given a, a heart that is responsive and receptive to you. Not only at the beginning, when we first trust you. But God, may our hearts not grow cold over time. May they not be resistant to you. May we not get choked on the things of the world. But God, may you renew us today. So, Father, we pray for ourselves. We pray also for our nation. We sense that there is just a real coldness right now. A hardness of heart. And we pray, God, that you will... You will be at work in the, in the churches and in the cities across our nation. Lord, turn us back to you. Give us hearts that long for you once again. So God, would you take your word today and use it? Use it for your purpose and for your glory. We pray now for the tithes and offerings that are being received, that you would, you would bless them, multiply them, use them to help sow your seed in our community, and in the missionary efforts around this world. 
For it's in Christ's name that we pray. And all of God's people said.